Carl Junction, Missouri, a former staff member here at First Baptist Wheeling and dearly loved uh, by our church family. And so please make him feel welcome this morning as he comes to preach the word of God to us. If you have your Bible with you, or you'd like to use one in the back of the pew, turn with me to Psalm 56. Old Testament book of Psalms, the 56th one, should be on page 604 in the pew Bibles. While you're turning there, just allow me to tell you how much it means to be back here this weekend, and what a joy it is to be with you again, to see you again, and to get to listen to God's word together again. I'm going to look at a psalm that I have grown to love, Psalm 56. This is the word of the Lord. To the choir master, according to the dove on far off terebinths, a mictum of David when the Philistines seized him in Gath. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape in wrath. Cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. It is hard to find someone you can trust. My wife learned this lesson as a child going to the dentist. This criminal was so fraudulent with his excessive charges that he wound up on Dateline National News. There's a lot of new faces in the room for me. Lots changed in three years or so. Some of you don't know me, and you don't know if you found someone you can trust. Some of you know me enough. <laughs> you don't know if you found somebody you can trust. That's the way people are. 
but the Lord is different. That's what it means when we say the Lord is holy. There is no one like our God. That's why David in this moment of distress is teaching us this important lesson. The Lord deserves your total trust. Not a little bit of trust. Not some of your trust. Jesus deserves your total trust trust. David can make three statements as he sings this song, and what I would like to ask you this morning is, can you say the same? The first statement David is able to make is found in verses 1 to 4. David says that God is the God of my fears. Look at verses 1 to 4. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me all day long, an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? David has reasons to be afraid. The background of this psalm is found in 1 Samuel chapters 20 to 22. King Saul, the king of Israel, is out to get David. He hates David. He hates how God chose David. He hates how the people love David. And so he makes a vow to kill David. In chapter 21 of 1 Samuel, David flees to a place called Gath. Now, if that sounds familiar to you, that is because Gath is the hometown of a giant named Goliath. The giant David killed. And so David is surrounded by the enemy. He is walking the streets with Goliath's old sword. He is walking with a giant-sized bullseye on his back. And when the king's servants figure out who he is, they go to the king and say, this is the guy the Jews sing about. David is trapped. And he's so scared, 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 13 tells us that he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane. That's what's going on when David sings in verse 1 of Psalm 56, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me all day long, an attacker oppresses me. It's Father's Day, right? Totally different situation, but parents kind of know what David feels like. The minute your kids are born, You're afraid. You're afraid of things you've never been afraid of before. You may not know, but I've got a new baby in the house. And he's starting to crawl around and get into things, climb up all over the place, and mom and dad are not really sure. We're really happy about that. You might not be a parent. I get that. You might not be on the run from a homicidal king. But do you think 
that you and I could learn something from a man after God's own heart? Let me ask you a question. Some of you will not be ready to answer it. What makes you afraid? What scares you? What keeps you up at night? Some of you right now, maybe a lot of you right now, you're tempted to be macho man. I'm not afraid of anything. Nothing scares me. Let me help you. You're afraid of being weak. You're afraid of being afraid. You're afraid of being a human. You're afraid of admitting it. What makes you afraid? I mean, David, who killed Goliath, he says, when I am afraid. But some of us, we let fear take over. And when fear takes over, this is what we are saying, brothers and sisters. We are saying that God does not care enough about us to handle this situation. That his promises are not sure enough to see us through. That his presence is not powerful enough to guide us through what we're going through. That his reward at the end is not worth all of this trouble. Brothers and sisters, when we are afraid, what we are saying is that God is not God enough. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 4, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. This is what David does. Look at verses 3 and 4. David says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, and God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Look at those verses again. Beginning of verse 3, he says, when I am afraid. And then in the middle of verse 4, he says, I shall not be afraid. When I am afraid, I will not be afraid. David chooses to rely on God and his word. As Derek Kidner writes, faith here for David is a deliberate act in defiance of his emotional state. Let me translate that. Despite how he feels, David believes. It's what Jesus commands us to do in John 14, verse 1. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. The next time you are afraid, choose not to be how does David do this? What steps do we need to take? David does not cling to some generic Hobby Lobby God with some general idea that all things work out for the best for everybody. David doesn't fight his feelings of fear with feelings of hope and motivation. He finds his confidence in Scripture. Look at verse 4. He says, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust. So when you are afraid, and you are afraid sometimes, when you are afraid, where do you go? Where do you turn? Friends, do not try to muster up the courage and the strength to handle it yourself. 
You don't have to go hunt for inspiration elsewhere. Can I help you out? Open your Bible. Proverbs 16, verse 20, whoever gives thought to the word will discover good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, let God be the God of your fears. The second statement that David is able to make is found in verses 5 to 11. David is able to say that God is the God of my tears. Read verses 5 to 11 with me. All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape. In wrath cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? What crushes David is that he faces all of these attacks, and he doesn't deserve it. David has no major flaws on his track record at this point. He's not seen Bathsheba next door. And yet, all of these people are coming at him. And David never asked for this. He never asked Samuel to show up in Bethlehem one day and anoint him as the future king of Israel. David never killed Goliath for his own personal selfish gain and glory. He only cared about the name of God enough to step into the situation. David never tried to force Saul out of the throne. He just bided his time and served the current king. And even though David has tried to do the right thing over and over again, his enemies are just twisting the story around and making David out to be the bad guy. That's what David's saying in verse 5 when he says, They injure my cause. Days like today, Father's Day, can be especially harsh. Because God gave us families to be places safe from attacks like the ones David receives. He intended stability and security and support. But sin does what sin does and twists God's designs. And those in our own homes lurk and stir up strife. Too many times when we don't deserve it, like David. It's one thing when the world injures your cause, but how many of us know that special pain when it comes your way from the church? Pay attention to David's response. What does he do? He prays. Look at verses 7 to 8. 
for their crime will they escape in wrath. Cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. He's praying right here. And as David presents his cares to God, God works on David, leads David to a deeper trust than he already had. And David's actually clinging to two promises right here in the midst of his prayer. The first promise David holds on to is that God remembers every sorrow. Did you hear that? Verse 8, he says, You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? You remember the story of Joseph? Goes down to Egypt, ends up in prison for a crime he didn't commit. And the cupbearer, as he's heading out of prison, he tells Joseph that he's got his back and he's going to get him out. He forgets them. But the Lord counted Joseph's tears. Year after year, Hannah was weeping because she could not have a child. And 1 Samuel 1.19 says, the Lord remembered her. Yesterday, I heard a young lady come up to Pastor Darren and tell him, I'm going to count how many tears there are today. I lost count. I'm sure she did too. But God knows. In all seriousness, friends, there may be things you have never told anybody. Hurts you have never shared. You never have to ask God, do you know what I'm going through? Every page of your story, it is in his book. God remembers every sorrow. One day, he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. The second truth, the second promise that David is holding on to as he prays is that God remains faithful to his people. Verse 9, David says, Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. Do you hear that confidence? When you suffer, how easy is it to say, Why is God punishing me? Well, even if he is, even if it is discipline, God's still for you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 says, The Lord disciplines the ones he loves. And if he's not punishing you, sometimes we face troubles because the world's just messed up. God's still on our side. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5 says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And I know it's easy to believe this when you're going through some things, but let me tell you this truth. Your struggles what you are going through is not proof that God has left you. The Holy Spirit living inside you, that is proof that God is for you. God remains faithful to his people. 
Now, how confident are you in those truths? How firm is your conviction about these promises? Now, David, he doesn't get there by accident. He finds his confidence in these truths when he goes to the Lord in prayer. Now, look at the gauges on your prayer life. How much do you trust God? First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. David is able to say, God is the God of my tears. And the third statement David is able to make is found in verses 12 and 13. And David is finally able to say that God is the God of my life. Read the last two verses of the psalm with me. David writes, I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. David eventually escapes to a cave, and sooner or later, some men who are loyal to him find him. And this salvation leads to David's commitment. In verse 12, he says, I must perform my vows. It leads to celebration. He says in verse 12, I will render thank offerings. It leads to a new communion with God. Verse 13, he says, I may walk before God in the light of life. I want to ask you something you got to think really hard and look very closely. How does David decide to mark this occasion? How does he declare his trust for God this time? Do you see it? By singing to the Lord. That's what David means when he says, I will render thank offerings. And look at this psalm. What is this? It is a song of trust. Matthew Henry tells us, even in times of greatest distress, David never hung up his harp. It's not the only song that David wrote about this great salvation, this occasion where he's delivered from his enemies. You also find the story in Psalm 34. I'll read a few verses from that song for you. In verse 1, David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Verse 3, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Verse 17 and 18, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Friend, think about a normal week in your life. How much singing to the Lord do you do? Not just singing mindlessly to the radio. How much singing to the Lord do you do? You might tell me you're not much of a singer, but when you go to a ball game, you will sing that national anthem. 
take me out to the ball game. You got that one. How much singing to the Lord do you do? Now listen, I know where I'm at. And when you're preaching at First Baptist Church in Wheeling, West Virginia, you better bring some Spurgeon. (laughs) If you don't trust me, I hope you trust him by now. (laughs) Charles Spurgeon wrote, He who can trust will sing. Singing to the Lord, friend, is not about how you feel in the moment. It's about what you know about your God. It's not about if you like the song. It's about if you love the Lord. When nothing seems to be going your way, remember who God is and what he has done. And like David, do not put your heart down. Render him a thank offering of praise. Psalm 147, verse 1. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. So, David, he was able to say, God is the God of my fears. God is the God of my tears. And God is the God of my life. Of David had reasons to trust God, brothers and sisters, we have even more. All David could do was look forward to the promises he had that God would use his family and bring a king and his family to bring salvation. We can look back and see all the ways that God has fulfilled his word and proven his worthiness to be trusted. Jesus, the son of David, The Word made flesh faced the brokenness of this world. Despite living a sinless life and never deserving it, his enemies injured his cause, twisted his words, watched his steps, waited for his life. Jesus knows what it's like to depend on somebody and be doubted and betrayed. When Jesus faced trials and temptations, what did he do? He turned to the word he trusted. And the night before his death, what is he doing? He's on his knees praying with tears to the Lord. And even as he dies in our place on the cross, what is he doing? He's singing. Every word out of his mouth comes from the book of Psalms. And even though he didn't deserve it, for our crimes, he did not escape. As the psalmist writes, the third day, God remembered his son and delivered him from death so he could walk in the life of God. That's why Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Friend, God has brought you here today to present you to himself. Can you really say that God is the God of your fears? Can you really say that God is the God of your tears? Can you really say that God is the God of your life? Not just that you believe in him, that he exists, but that he is the ruler and owner and Lord and master over every aspect 
of your life. Friend, God is calling you today to turn from trusting in yourself or in anything else except his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life of obedience and died on the cross for your sins and rose from the grave so that he could offer you a life with him and a life forever. And if you were here this morning without him as your king and as your savior, I call on you to put your trust in Jesus Christ today. In him, there's no condemnation. And if you put your trust in him, like David, you will be able to say this, I know, that God is for me. What can anybody do to me? If God has already brought you this salvation, allow me to ask you a few questions. What kind of commitment does this God deserve? Does he just deserve a once-a-week commitment? A couple times a month commitment? An Easter and Christmas commitment? How much does this love, this salvation that we have deserve to be celebrated? Half-heartedly? May it never be. Ephesians chapter 2.10 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Where do you need to put your trust in the Lord today? What area of your life are you holding on to, trying to handle by yourself, not giving to the King of Kings? Give him everything and look to Christ. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. David has given us three ways to demonstrate and develop our trust in the Lord, to open our Bible and believe in his promises over our greatest fears, to get on our knees in prayer and give him our deepest sorrows and to sing to the Lord of our salvation. Brothers and sisters, it's not that difficult. Allow me just to encourage you. Make your home that kind of home of trust. How do you lead your home in a time of worship together? It's not that hard. Open your Bible, pray, and sing. How do you be a man of God? It's not that hard. Give God your fears. Open your Bible. Get on your knees. Pray. Share your tears with the Lord and sing to the God of your salvation. How can we be a church that showcases what total trust looks like in a world that has trust in nothing? By being people of the word, by being people of prayer, and by being a people who sing. And may we let the words that we read and the words that we pray and the words that we sing propel us to live for Jesus. Friends, people may let you down. They may disappoint you. They may attack you for no reason at all. 
And it may be hard to find somebody you can depend on. But there is no one like our God. And he deserves your total trust. Let us pray.